Hi everyone, welcome back to the Words with Dragons podcast. Today I'm going to be discussing everything that kind of happened fandom-wise and like information-wise at the New York Comic Con panel all the way back in October 9th because I figured better late than never. Um, So didn't bother to go looking for questions because I just thought I had enough of my own sort of thoughts. There was a lot of really interesting reveals from like a couple different sort of mediums for the series in terms of like stuff for the graphic novels stuff for season four which i'm really excited about as well as even like a soundtrack piece um so i'm hopefully gonna remember to talk about all of it but of course if there's ever anything that i don't talk about that you guys want me to talk about just send in a question to my tumblr really my two a's um i'm also on youtube and doing like amvs and video essays there i've been having a really good time with that and that's under the words of dragons handle so if you are wanting more like visual content and that sort of thing you can head over there to youtube i would really appreciate it um so yeah today we're just gonna be talking about the new york comic-con reveals and so to me there were kind of like I guess, like, first things first, I'm going to talk about, like, the timeline that they sort of revealed for things coming in the future. So we have Blood Moon Huntress, which is the um, Moon Fam-centric graphic novel. We already knew that. We already knew when it was coming, and it's coming April 5th, 2022. Um, Then we have Puzzle House, which is a graphic novel they've teased in the past that's going to center on Viren, Soren, and Claudia, and Viren and his mentor, Kapar, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, So I think... That's going to be really interesting, and that's coming just fall 2022, so I'm like, okay, like, you know, Um, and so we didn't get any new updates on the season four release date. However, I'm mentioning the graphic novel timeline because in my head, I'm like, they would probably want a few months in between the graphic novels and the season, so that means we're probably looking at either a... pre-April release date for season four, which would be fantastic. I don't know. It's it's what I'm personally hoping for, but who knows, right? Like, they might even wait in more until, like, May to be like, oh, like, because that's when, like, some of the more big conventions are coming again. Like, it's all about marketability, right? And so, you know, then that also leaves us summer, especially because, like, the Puzzle House could come September 2022, or it could come November 2022. And those that's like really different depending on like con schedules and whatever and stuff. So, but I would say it's looking pretty definitive that we're going to be getting season four, um, summer, early fall 2022 latest, which is exciting because that means there's only another nine-ish possible months of hiatus and i'm really excited for blood moon huntress and the uh con gave me a lot of re extra reasons to be i was already pretty pumped so i'm gonna go over the season four sort of spoilers that we got the most interesting one to me a lot of these you can find on youtube um under gosh under uh gagaball 88 i think on i know that's their handle on twitter but they were posting a lot of stuff on youtube in terms of like full clips and stuff like that so if you if you haven't checked out stuff from the panel that's where i would go on youtube and so they released a song that's called a i believe a song of love and loss um and had some really beautiful strings and is apparently going to be played by a character in universe i might be remembering or 
um, misunderstanding that. But it made me think immediately of Athari, not only the melody, not only because of how important strings are to, to their relationship on a musical level, but also because there was concept art in the um, 2020 art book that had Athari with the lute. So I'm like, okay, if he plays that in in canon, you know, and Moonshadow Elves, like magic and dancing music are very closely aligned. So I'm like, you know, that makes me really hopeful that we're going to see Athari again soon. Um, and hopefully he'll have more of a role in season four. So like, I would love that. And the piece was really beautiful. And I think it fits them the best i could also see it possibly being paralleled with rayla and callum because we know how through the moon ended um but i do think it's more likely that it's going to be a ruthari piece especially because like a lot of the couples like harrow and sarai didn't end happily and sarai and her first husband they didn't end super happily obviously like they both experienced tragedies um but because harrow is gone or at least basically gone i still i still cling to the bird theory um i think that's the most realistic route. So Ruthari soundtrack, really sad, loved it, really beautiful. Um, the other really interesting thing that I thought they confirmed was some of the out of context spoilers we got at the previous con, which I believe was San Diego Comic Con, if I'm remembering correctly. Again, it's been a while for me too. So next time this has taught me to be like, do this sooner rather than later, do the episode on the earlier side. So you have, uh, I was gonna say fresh brain, but that's not a good statement. Um, but the details are fresh in your mind. And so the other thing that I thought was really, really interesting was one of the out of context spoilers was something called the gathering of the six horns. And I assumed like, okay, Zadian political function. Um, I was speculating, I was like, maybe it's a dragon from each of the six, you know, there's six primal sources that would make sense or someone from each of the six Alvin groups. Because I was thinking like, yeah, like all of Zadia is going to have an opinion about everything that's happening with the Dragon Queen and like what peace might look like. And it would bring in like the Earthblood Elves and we haven't seen any of them. And the next season's called Earth. So like that would make sense. So that was my current speculation. Um, but I was delighted to discover that I was like partially wrong and that it's not necessarily all of the elves. It's just the Sunfire Elves and it's the gathering of the six horns because they have a horn for each of Soul Regums. And so we're going to be and one of the characters that we got that like confirmation from is a sunfire uh warrior elf named mayana mayana miana there's a bunch of different ways to pronounce it i'm sure i'm pronouncing it wrong um i love her design and it seems like she's going to be loyal to janai's brother kareem so i think that's really interesting because he seemed to be dressed in a way that indicated he was also we also got concept art of him i think from the san diego comic-con um, and he's dressed in a way that seems like he's part of the Council of the Six Horns as well. So I'm super pumped because I didn't think we would be delving that much more into like, uh, kind of like, I was thinking we would get like some gist of Zadian politics that for all of the different elves, I didn't think we were going to be going as like detailed into specific politics for each group. And I love the Sunfire Elves. I love Janai. It's one of the things I'm the most excited about next season is her storyline. So the fact that she's getting this with like her brother and the fact that there's like another Sunfire Elf. And I like to think that maybe like Janai and Miana were like friends growing up or like girlfriends at a point. Cause I think that would be interesting. Um, and I just want to know more about like how Janai grew up and stuff. So the fact that we're getting more of this like really kind of introspective sort of like narrow 
an expanded view of specifically Sunfire off politics is like so good. I'm so pumped. So yeah, I'm just I'm super happy about that. Um, we also got to see the design of I'm trying to think what else. Okay, the other thing, the main thing that happened for season four in particular was we got a bit of a sound bite of a scene between Soren, Ezra, and Opelli. Soren is being his usual goofy self. He's kind of escorting Opelli to a mission. Ezra seems a little bit stressed. It's hard to tell though because we don't really, we don't, Ezra's just like, come in because Soren's taking his time doing a silly knock and giving them like code names and stuff like that. And Opelli is disgruntled but going along with it. And so it made me really happy because I was really excited to see, you know, Soren being part of Ezrin's council alongside Opelli. Um, hopefully Corvus, but Corvus might also be elsewhere in the series now. So we'll have to just wait and see. Um, but I would love if Corvus stayed, stuck it out with Ezrin. And then, cause I really love that bond. Um, and so I thought it was really interesting that, you know, not only is Ezrin stressed and again, we knew politics weren't going to be a breeze for him, but I'm, I'm curious about that. Um, and so I just loved that because again, it's kind of like, you know, shit, shit's going down, but we're still going to have a little bit of fun first. So that seemed to me to be like an early in the season soundbite. And I was just so happy to hear their voices again, um, especially Ezrin, because Sasha doesn't, uh, his, his voice actress doesn't really do any of the interviews. Understandably, oh, like she's a kid. The rest of them aren't. Um, but like, you know, like Jesse has been in other stuff and like Paulist and a couple other panels. But Sasha has kind of been very, pretty radio silent. So I was like, Ezra, like, I missed you so much. Um, so that was really nice. And it also made me curious because I was thinking in my head, like, there's kind of two main paths for Callum next next season uh after through the moon there's one where he stays at the castle and he helps his brother and he kind of tries to pretend that everything's fine even though he's like not fine and then there's one where for one reason or another he goes into zadia whether that's to like learn magic or to go after rayla um and i wrote a meta recently on my tumblr about kind of like which path i think is likely so you guys can check that out if you want um i was in but I've always kind of felt like I feel like it's not that it's not in character for him to go and stay in Catalis and to try and pretend everything's fine. I think he could absolutely do that because we've seen him do it before with Harrow and stuff like that. I was more I've been more leaning towards that not being as likely to me just because I feel like I don't know if the season will have time for it. I've said it before on here and I'll say it again, but like there's going to be a lot of plot lines to juggle next season even more than season three in some ways. So I'm sure that that's already really hard. And they're all really interesting. And like before it was always like, we always had the dominant storyline to kind of really tether things of like returning Zim to Zadia. And then everything else was kind of an accessory to that. And now in season four, one of the really interesting things is we don't have that main driving storyline as a tether anymore. Like Rail is going off in Zadia, yeah, so we have that. And then we have Claudia Baron and Erevos on their side of things. Um, whatever Callum is doing, which like he might be having his own kind of solo journey and like that takes time. And then you also have Ezrin's politics and you have Janai's politics. And then the, like among that, you also have her brothers. So, like he has to be developed as a character. So like there's, you know, there's all the human politics. Like there's just a lot to cram into this season. So I think that 
um, having Callum stay in Catalis for the whole time skip, I think is kind of a missed opportunity if they're also going to do a plot line where he also goes into Zadia because then it'll be like, oh, well, he was in the castle for six months and then he traveled Zadia for three days and he found whatever he was looking for, whether that's like magic or something like that or Rayla or whatever. Um, and I just feel like that would feel kind of like fast. Uh, again, I'm not going to have any issues if they do it, but that's just not where my brain is leaning towards right now. So I think that like it would be hard to do Callum and Catalis and then have a plot line where he also decides to like leave because again i'm assuming that season four will take place over like an overall short amount of time i could see maybe a month i could see this being the longest timeline season wise just because again there's a lot going on um but i also am sure that the time skip will help smooth things over in terms of like you know we have to get caught up exposition wise and then we're just following one really insane like two week period i, I could also see it being like season three um so yeah, so one of the things I thought was interesting about this beyond like what Ezrin could be like concerned about and like Opelia and Soren being supportive, as well as just like, I love seeing Soren and Opelia interact because like, you know, in season one, they didn't really interact, but they have like one really brief interaction in the beginning. And then in season three, she's like, he's a criminal, like him and his sister, we can't trust them. And obviously like they grow to become allies. So it, it was fun seeing more of their like casual day-to-day -day dynamic now. So Pelly is just so tired. There's too many kids and teenagers around her right now. Um, but I was curious because I was like, it's interesting to me that Callum isn't in this clip, right? Like he could be in the room waiting with Ezrin or, you know, but it, it struck me as like, if, because, you know, Callum always wants to do things for his brother. He always wants to take care of Ezra, and that's always one of his primary concerns. And so, but he's also grown to learn how to let Ezra handle things on his own, right? Like, that's a big part of season two and season three for their dynamic. And Ezra as well being, like, having more of a support system that Callum arguably doesn't have, which I think is interesting. Because in the beginning of the, if the, beginning of the show it was the opposite, right? Like, we got more of details of, Callum, Claudia, and Soren's relationships with each other, and Ezra was kind of the one on the outside, and now it's the opposite. Ezra has all these people, and Callum just having a rough go of things no matter what. So I think that, like, it struck me as interesting that Callum isn't in the clip because I feel like if he was there, he would be getting dragged along with, with Soren and Opeli, because then you can have, like, some humor of, like, Callum being like, oh, Soren, like, you're being kind of ridiculous, blah, 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 because that's what Opeli is there for, right? And so it would seem odd that to miss out on an opportunity for comedy like that by having Callum already in the room when Ezrin's there, although he could be if it's really serious, right? So it depends on where they're kind of going for this scene in terms of, like, tone and stuff, but... It, it did add uh, fervor to my theory slash prediction slash hope and wish that Callum is just not in Catalus and he's off in Zadia looking looking for Rayla or something adjacent to that. Um, I also wrote a really big analysis recently about uh, how Callum and Rayla parallel Orpheus and Eurydice from Greek mythology in terms of the structure of Through the Moon, as well as other stuff in this series and where that could lead for season four. So if you're interested in any big, nerdy English major things, um, I would recommend checking that out. It's, it's bolded under my meta tab and it's brand new and I had a really fun time writing it. And so... Now on to kind of like the graphic novels, because that's arguably what we got the most for. We got a visual of Kapar, Viren's mentor, 
who is wearing blue, which I'm already intrigued by. It makes me think that maybe he's from like Del Bar Durin instead of Catalis. Um, and he has the white streaks and a staff, but it's not Beren's staff. Um, and he also has like a bloody hand. So he makes me wonder if maybe like he's a dark mage who's using some of his own body for resources. Obviously not as potent as an elf or magical creatures would be, but you could still do it. So I'm curious in terms of how that's going to get examined and how maybe this ties into things like in the season one novelization it was revealed that Soren was kind of a sickly kid so i'm thinking maybe the puzzle house where kapar is from and the uh, centering on like viren and his kids could reveal more about that period of Soren's life where he got like cured or healed by dark magic but also partially led to the split with viren's wife lissa because dark magic is nasty basically um as well as just kind of like how it may have influenced claudia's mindset because at first i thought it was just going to be about more like young viren as like an adolescent young adult um but one of the clips revealed sword and claudia being in the graphic novel as kids so i'm really curious about that and i'm oh literally always intrigued and always down for things that are about the the four main kids growing up in the castle together because i think that's a super interesting dynamic and I love it so much. It's so interesting to me and just all the different like layers and history that they have. So I'm, I'm really excited for the puzzle house. And I didn't think I would be, you know, if you would ask me like, hmm, what graphic novel are we going to do after Blood Moon Hendress? Like I would not have picked a Viren centric one about him and his mentor, but like, I'm super excited. Um, and I also feel quite pleased. Again, I may have mentioned this before, um, but I did have a one shot on the back burner about I was going to write about Viren and a mentor to him growing up. I would have made it a woman. That's just me. Um, but kind of like, you know, Claudia is like, dark magic is really dangerous unless someone tells you how. So the idea behind the one shot was like, okay, well, how did Viren learn? Um, so the fact that we're going to get to see that now in canon is like, do I still write the one shot? Maybe. Maybe I'll take it, give it my own spin on Kapar first uh, instead. And then the other thing that we have is the Blood Moon Huntress, um, who has a really cool, really twisted design. I do not envy the artists who had to draw because the Moonshadow designs are so much more complicated, especially Renata Thuris with all their markings and stuff. And that's pretty easy in um, like a 3D rigor that the Dragon Prince typically has because you just have to make the character uh, rig once and then you just have to make sure that like the details are consistent, but you don't have to reanimate those lines and squigglies and all that sort of stuff every single time and in a graphic novel you do so i do not envy that and the blood moon hundreds has a really complicated design but really cool design um and we know that she is an elf who has stayed a moon shadow elf who has stayed alive much much longer than she should through unnatural means so i'm assuming dark magic and she seems to have some sort of history with runan or he dislikes her in particular um and I was also surprised at some of the stuff we got from Blood Moon Huntress because I was thinking that it would be, you know, really as a youngin, but growing up with Ruan and Thari. And she seems to be about seven here. And it's clearly early days. So her parents left when she was quite a bit older than I thought. I thought they would have left when she was like three, but they seem to leave closer to like seven, which is somehow both better and worse. And it's her kind of adjusting to being at Runan and Athari's house now to live. And she's not totally happy with it. And Athari is kind of trying to mediate things. And, you know, Runan is being very Runan about everything. Um, but it's interesting to see that, like, before, you know, Rila didn't understand or really appreciate what being an assassin was, and she clearly feels abandoned by her parents, um, and then we know, obviously, by the start of the show, 
she feels like she's been doubly abandoned by them because they gave up on their duty in her eyes. And she's also chosen to be an assassin. So I'm curious to see how Blood Moon Huntress uh, directs her character there and whether maybe she's come around on being like, you know, she's like, I would never kill anyone. And it's like, well, maybe she'll see Renan kill the Blood Moon Huntress in order to protect her or something like that. So she'll start because Renan is like, again, you can see this is like very much in conversation with Through the Moon because Renan's like, I have to protect people. Like I make sacrifices so that other people don't have to and like that sort of mindset and like i bear it so they don't have to and that's exactly what real is doing in through the moon so that really hurt me because of course even in through the moon like she is abandoning her family in that moment and she's abandoning her family with the specific intent to go kill someone so it's like she's really <sighs> no childhood nostalgia for her um so that's good and again i like that I, but I, I'm really interested and intrigued to see more of Rail at this age because she is older and as well to see the way that like their dynamic form because we're not an authority really do love her um, as always I am hoping that my head candidate of Rail being bullied or at least feeling ostracized or alienated from her peers growing up is true because I just I just love it it's just such a nice head for me and I think it give a lot to her character that's just subtext right now so i would love to have that confirmed um in my heart of hearts because again like this is well pre-series so we're not gonna get anything Raylan related um but i would love it if real is like i wish i had a friend or like a best friend and she doesn't and then it's like you know like nine years later she's gonna have a best friend in callum and ezrin so i'm like please again we're probably not going to get it, but I'm just so intrigued to see more of the ways that, like, she grew up and, like, maybe what school was like. And just I just want to know everything. Um, another interesting thing that I thought for the Blood Moon Huntress was she has purple streaks in her hair. And my first thought was, like, oh, how would that work? But then I was thinking maybe because, like, for humans, most humans have darker hair or gingery hair. Like, we don't typically tend to have white hair until we get old. And so maybe the dark magic streaks, like that's how they show up as white. But maybe for elves, if elves have white hair, maybe it shows up as the purple streaks. Um, and so I would be curious about about that in terms of like if that's how that manifests for Mindred Elves. Because again, dark magic is almost always purple in color. I think that's the most consistent color that we see, like the smoke assassin, assassins, um, the eyes stuff like that. Erebos, like purple seems to be the color. So I thought that was interesting detail on her design. Her design is amazing though. It's very, it's very red. It's exactly what you would think Blood Moon Huntress, although the claws and the fingers creep me out, which is fantastic. Um, and then the purple thing, this is completely unrelated, but it does have to do with the purple hair thing. I was thinking like, I wonder if Claudia already had white streaks in her hair and then she started to dye those purple and that's why she has the purple dye in her hair so that was just kind of a thought that I had where I was like that's kind of sad I like it you know I'm gonna throw that out there into the universe um I'm just double checking going through my tabs if you hear any clickety click um to see if there's anything that I am missing that I wanted to talk about um just looking looking yeah i love miana i'm just i'm so excited for her um 
I'm also very pleased though, because when we first got Blood Moon Huntress, my first thought was like, okay, Blood Moon weakens the um, illusion and protection spells around the Silver Grove, and the Huntress I was thinking would be human, but I thought that she'd be a dark mage who like purposely goes after elven kids. So if they do do that in the graphic novel in Blood Moon Huntress, if that is the angle that they're going for, I'm gonna feel so damn justified because I'm always like, this is the this is the natural conclusion to dark magic like this is as far as it goes and this is the worst of it in a lot of ways but this is where this is where you end up when you encourage a system like this and encourage a magic and a mindset like this um because again like that what if the magma titan what if the spell had needed an elf child right like to the spell what's it what's the difference right but that seems so much worse to us so i'm like I'm really excited because I don't know if they would ever be able to get quite that dark in the show. Although apparently someone's going to, someone from seasons one to season three is going to die in season four. My money is on Opelli um, or Lou Jane. But, and I love them both. I'm going to be so upset if Lou Jane dies, if only because I love her bond with Alice. And like, we're probably never going to see Alice again. But like, it matters to me. That being said, I could I could live with either of those. Opelli would hurt like a motherfucker, though. I'd be so upset for the lost found family potential. Um, I don't know, man. We're going to have to wait and see. Um, yes. Yeah. And then, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just really pumped for 2022. I'm so stoked for the Rutharis. You guys deserve this so much. Um, good for you. And I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm just pumped. I'm like, you know, season four. Like, I could not be more excited for it. And. As much as I'm like, we recently just had the two-year anniversary of season three. As much as I'm like, wow, this is a long hiatus. It's like, it both is and isn't, you know? Like, I'm having a good time. Um, I'm still thinking my thoughts. I still have things I want to write that I want to get out before season four comes. And I'm quite busy in, in real life and personal life. So I'm like, yes, give me more time. Um on that level so i'm sure as soon as we get the season four like release date i'm gonna be in a mad rush to be like i have like a month two months like i need to get like four fan fictions out um so hopefully hopefully that'll be sooner rather than later and then in terms of other little fandom things um i recently set up a patreon again it's worth of dragons or realm and i have it on my thing um the lowest tier is two dollars a month middle tier is five dollars and highest tier is ten dollars a month um any support is super appreciated the different tiers you get like behind the scenes access to like meta um the ability to request things if you guys really want me to start prioritizing the podcast more than i have been uh like a goof then that is the place to to encourage and ask for that because I do love the podcast. I know I'm just not good at keeping a schedule right now uh, for a few different reasons, but hopefully soon. And then I was thinking that maybe in January I would do a rare pair week event for a lot of the sort of like rare pairs of the Dragon Prince, like Sword and Rayla, uh, Callum and Claudia, Claudia and Rayla, um, a few different like Ezrin ships and stuff and all those good things. Um, 
I'm so, I'm so tempted. I don't know if I've ever taught me. Hmm, hmm. See, now I'm thinking in my head of like, maybe I will do, I'm writing a, I'm writing a fan fiction right now. It's going to be probably like six to seven chapters. And it's all about Claudia and Esmond's relationship in various stages. Um, and I love it so much. And I'm working hard on the second chapter to try and get that out soon. Cause I just want to move past where I'm covering Canaan and go into more fan and speculation territory. Um, but if you guys ever wanted to be like, I want you to just talk about this one fic you wrote for a podcast episode or explain all the ways that you approach writing Phelum in different scenarios or AUs or Canon divergences, um, or even just kind of like pick one relationship and talk about it for 20 minutes. Like we could do that. We could totally do that. So just send in your requests and it's good to go. Um, as always, I hope you enjoyed and thank you for listening and I will see you next time. Dragons out.